1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: Two down, one to go. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. I've never liked that. I've never liked that, that phrasing because it makes it sound like
3: you're just listening to this because you're being forced to. It's like, if you don't want to listen, just turn it off. This is a, this is an optional. Or it, it sounds like you're slaving away too. It's like two down.
2: Yeah, it sounds like I don't want to be here, and obviously I don't. Not I would rather be doing anything else. But you know, I, I get paid. I get paid moderately cheaply to 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 feign enthusiasm and so i'll keep doing that um i'm jeff noack he's steve geller you can follow me on twitter at jeff underscore noack he's steve geller wwl if you haven't subscribed yet hit the subscribe button do the good thing go check out your youtube at wwl sports go check out the latest content at wwl.com listen to us on sports talk 48 p.m on fridays that's wwl am 870 fm 105.3 in the odyssey app we get real bored because fridays is just like Man, what are we going to talk about? So if you guys want to call in and and, and, and rant about stuff, do that. It's, We're going to uh,
3: have to get more
2: creative with some segments, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I've so I've gotten to the point where I've memorized the number. So if you want to call in or text, it's 504-260-1870. It took me like months, but I finally remembered it. I know that number. I know my mom's cell phone number, and I know the house phone to my parents' house up north. That is still connected, but hasn't been charged in like six years. So those are the three numbers I know. I was going to say, you better know your fiance's number too. I don't. <laughs> I don't know anyone's cell phone number that is under the age of like 46.
3: What's funny is it's like back obviously in the day, it's like, I don't know, things are so different. I laugh. I have a, you know, soon to be 13 year old and it's just what a different world. I can't even imagine what it would be like to have such easy access to stuff as a kid nowadays.
2: Yeah. Anyway, so speaking of easy access, do the Saints have easy access to the number one overall pick? Now that the Bears have at least pretended that they're interested in trading it. The simple answer is, heck no. The longer answer is,
3: (laughs) no. So there's no chance.
2: Okay. So (laughs) we kind of talked about this a little bit. Um, If you want to go by the trade chart and that's, not always reliable but it's at least a, a stepping off point and it kind of shows you just just how insanely expensive it is to trade for the number 1 overall pick from anywhere especially from the back half of the draft right like if you're the number 4 overall pick you have the luxury of saying the majority of your value is held at number 4 so all you have to do is find the remaining value and send that in this case the saints have very you know the, the once you get past pick like 25 the value is like nothing in terms of relatively speaking like the number one pick according to the Jimmy Johnson trade value chart is worth 3000 points score whatever you want to call it it's like the number 3000 that's where it's valued at if you go down to number 29 that has a value of 640 go so well, not even a third that. not yeah. even a third of that value if you add every single pick the saints have including the number 260 which is a comp pick that we're assuming they get that uh, that all adds up to about 1500 so if you traded your entire draft board you still ain't getting there you're about halfway there <laughs> now like once you get past the third round the values are like 64 32 24.6 so like you can honestly just eliminate that because no team is going to want your fourth through seventh if you're giving them one, two, and three. So I would imagine that you could probably get away with your first three picks from this year. So you would probably have to trade 29, 40, 71. And that would get you to about 1,300, right? From there, you're probably also going to have to trade next year's first. And the one but after. the value of a future first is typically held at about the bottom third of the current draft. So you're still talking like 600, 800. Ooh. So you'd probably have to add your third from that season because you don't have a second. And then I would guess either your second or third in 2025 to even equate the value. So you are already committing a massive package of assets to this draft. And then beyond that, keep in mind, if the Colts got involved and offered the four, if the Panthers got involved and offered the nine, even if you offered that package probably gets beat out by whatever the Colts or the Panthers offer because the value of being able to still pick a Jalen Carter, maybe at number four, or whoever's available at nine is so much higher than what the saints can offer with the 29 that like, I don't know if you would even do it. Like even if technically you look at the value chart and the saints offer has an aggregate total of slightly more, they might just go with the Colts because they prefer to pick at four. Um, And they would, it would look bad if they traded all the way back. So like all this is to say, insanely incredibly unlikely like the only way this happens is if the saints are willing to commit everything and no other team gets involved at all and i just don't see that being being realistic
3: no obviously even if there was that crazy Godfather ridiculous offer. Yeah. you know generational talent that was available you got to imagine too that where you're slated to that there's going to be other teams presenting higher value with, you know in the draft compared to what you have to offer unfortunately yeah it's just tough and like
2: you floated the ideas like well what if you traded chris Olave and pete werner and it's like yes, right, now you, yeah, you're willing to give up everything there's a chance but do you want like will that make your team better maybe like I guess- top top two three quarterbacks don't always work out like that's a heck of a gamble to me, and keep in mind are, you're still giving up those assets so
3: you're not going to have picks to to bring those guys in like, that's, if there's that dude that you know is Joe burrow i go you know i might i might consider doing whatever it takes kind of thing i don't know but that's but that's why like so if they were if they were sitting at 10 right now then
2: that might be reasonable like if you had yeah. the 10th overall pick and you worked that into a package then that's like it's still a big trade package you'd be giving up but it's like you you could at least be competitive with the teams ahead of you 29 is not in the same category as the top 10 pick. So like in that sense, the trade last year made it so this trade is impossible. And I think if you're Mickey Loomis looking at it, that's kind of where you're – it's like we we did this last year. We got the value that we felt, feel like we maximized, and from there we're going to work on – and I don't think trading for the number one pick is even worth talking about. Is Is getting into the top 20, you think, feasible or not even that? Yes. Yes. And then that's I haven't done the calculations on that. But like, for example, if you're trying to trade up to twenty-two to get ahead of the Ravens, that would be the Chargers. You know, no. that would be expensive too, but it would be nowhere near as expensive, even as you paid last year to go from 16 to 10. Like you could probably get away with you're trading the twenty nine, you'd probably have to trade your third and a future third. But if you
3: really believe in the quarterback, I I do believe, I don't know if it's going to be quarterback, but I mean, we've seen it way too many times for this to not believe the Saints are going to be aggressive enough on draft day to trade up. I don't see them, you know, we haven't seen them move down to accumulate picks as everybody wishes they, you know, they kind of do, but I I just see them making that move up again for whoever it is that they covet.
2: I only see it Potentially happening if it's for a quarterback. I don't see it happening if it's for any. Like last year, like trading up for a receiver is incredibly rare. Like you saw the Saints do it last year. You saw the Falcons do it for Julio Jones. I think both of those examples were correct. They were good decisions because those are both players that I think you're going to end up seeing, you know, anchor. Like obviously you did see that with Julio. You saw him anchor that team for forever. And you're going to see that with Chris Olave is going to anchor that team for a long time. In most cases, it's a mistake. And you could make a valid argument that it was a mistake for the Saints last year, but at least you got like rookie of the year caliber play out of Olave to help you justify it. Now, the trade that I think is reasonable to talk about, if the Bears kind of reverse course and do end up taking a Bryce Young at number one, is Justin Fields. Like, I do think that the 29 and a package around that will be competitive. And it's just a question of whether the bears end up wanting to go that route. But I've like, we've talked about this before is I very much like Justin Fields. I would love to see Justin Fields be that the guy for the saints. And like, if he ends up on the table, I I would be willing to part with a lot of assets to bring him in. And it's just really, to me, it's just a question of whether he's, whether he's there.
3: Yeah. It's a good question of what it's going to cost to bring uh, fields in a trade, but, yeah, he's obviously a guy you you turn to uh, right away. There's no, there's no bridge needed there. Um, I was definitely impressed with what he did, especially early on in the season when he had absolutely nothing. And it's not like they they added much at the trade deadline, you know, bringing him wide receiver help for him from uh, what was it Pittsburgh? Yeah, uh, and that wasn't an, an, a huge significant upgrade by any means either, but. The numbers he's able to put up between the passing game and on the ground are just he's one of those those guys you just see on the field that stands out obviously. And it's and it's almost that video game like darting quickness that is truly amazing. But you have to worry about guys like that too, because eventually you're gonna get you're gonna get eventually hit. You're gonna get hit. Yeah, right.
2: And, you know, we've seen that with Lamar, right? We've seen him deal right. with injuries at inconvenient times. And it's just like, yeah, well, the way you play, you know, it's it's an inevitability that you're going to take a hit. And, like, as good as you are at evading them, can't evade them always. Sometimes they're going to get you. You saw that with RG3, right? Like, RG3's career who knows how good he could have been if he didn't have to deal with those knee injuries. We joke about Carson Wentz.
3: He was great until the Rams messed him, you know, his yeah, knee
2: up. Uh, Mike Vick was the same way. Like it was yeah. like, wow, it, all these highlights, but the, the, they stop before the, the legs break and stuff. Right. And so, yeah, but, but like Justin Fields. And, and again, it's a good point because in order to be successful with Justin Fields, you need to embrace the fact that he is a running back when he has the ball in his hands. And that's when you saw the bears struggling earlier in the year with him in there. And even last year, I don't think I think it's because you didn't see them embrace him as a runner the way they needed to, and they kind of got to that point later in the year, and you saw him really have those incredible games. But I think it's got to be a balance, and any team that brings him in, if you're going to trade for him, you have to embrace that because as, as much as I like Justin Fields, if he is just a pocket passer, he's not an NFL quarterback, um, and so that's
3: that is frustrating. I think but the yeah. success too of a guy like Hurts obviously helps his value too
2: yeah and i mean like i think that is the future of the nfl is guys who can do what he does maybe not an, at such an elite level but like for example like daniel jones right like i think if he was in the nfl 10 years ago he would have been wa- he would have washed out by now because he's not a guy who you can expect to stand in the pocket and and rifle the ball down the field but when he can get outside the pocket when you can move it when you can run the read option when you can slow down the pass rush He's got the athleticism to do it and I think that's like Josh Allen's another good example of that where you know maybe he's a little he's a little higher than Daniel Jones in terms of he does have that cannon arm but you you need both of those assets in today's NFL I think or at least it vastly helps you and
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
3: And I, I guess that's where we, you can you can tie this back in with the whole Derek Carr hunt or pursuit. It's, is he a guy that really, he doesn't provide that really for you he does he's not horrible as a scrambler but he's not a guy you think of as as someone that's gonna you know tote the ball for you
2: no he's not a guy you're gonna run the ball with you're not gonna run a read option
3: um but yeah and
2: that is that is what makes him a little less attractive i think on the on the open market uh but we're gonna see we're gonna find out whether the jets think he's that guy or whether the saints think he's that guy the guy who i think a lot of saints fans think is that guy is hendon hooker and he's another dude who like anthony richardson if you're drafting him, you're drafting him as a project and he's not going to start on day one and you're going to need a guy like a Jameis or an Andy or somebody in there. But I do think that it's tough. Like, I think you could still draft Derek Carr. I'm sorry, bring in Derek Carr and draft Hendon Hooker because I think he's more of a long term project. It's kind of like when the Chiefs signed Alex Smith and drafted Pat Mahomes, right? Like Alex Smith was still good enough to win games and get you to the playoffs. And he did. Um, but then, you know, when Pat Mahomes was ready to start, you were ready. And obviously, Hendon Hooker is not Pat Mahomes, but I'm just in terms of like you could bring in Derek Carr and still draft Hendon Hooker. I think that's true. And here's what Daniel Jeremiah had to say on Hendon Hooker. He's a lot higher on him than I am, but you know he's the expert. So
3: I think he's a good player. You start with accuracy and decision making. He can think the game really well. You know, we'll we'll see how high he ends up going coming off of the injury. I think he would have been a first round pick if he doesn't get hurt, even with the age. I know people you know talk about how old he is, but. He's a really, really solid player. I think. Yeah, my my question really isn't so much even the age or the injury with him. It's really just the the system he kind of ran uh, in college and how how quickly you can adapt to the NFL game. If you know, how, what will that take?
2: Right, it's an example of one of those guys. Like, can he line up under center? Can he turn his back to the field and then and then reset and find his receivers? Like, I don't know. He's probably not going to work out at the combine this week. I saw a report that he's not going to throw. I imagine that means he's not going to run either. He didn't work out at the Senior Bowl. So you are missing these opportunities to get a close look at him. But I do think that some of the biggest questions around Hendon Hooker are going to be ones that you're only going to be able to answer in those one-on-one meetings, in those interviews. And you're going to get to do that. And so that's why it's really tough to gauge how high teams are going to be on him because we don't get to see what he looks like on the field. We don't get to see what he's going to run at the forty he'll have a pro day down the road at Tennessee. I'm sure that's kind of what he's gearing up for. Even if he works out at the combine, it'll be very minimal. Like, but he'll do the hand measurements, he'll do all that stuff. He'll get, you know, like I remember Thad Moss ended up getting like a foot fracture discovered so they do the physical and all that and that is an important part of the process. It's the first time that these teams really get uninterrupted access to the player. You know, like like LSU players always seem to shrink an inch or two at the combine, right? Uh, like, I think Justin Jefferson was 6'3 until he got to the combine. They're like, you are not 6'3, sir. And, but like, I knew that because I've stood next to him. And I'm like, I'm six feet. You are not 6'3. But it's like, that's why it's an important part of the process because college teams are trying to sell these guys to the pros. The pros are trying to just make, like, assess what reality is. So, one way or another, you're going to have teams walking away from this combine experience with a much better picture of who they think Hendon Hooker is. And that's where you're kind of going to start to get reports and guys getting brought in for top 30 visits and all that. And so it's even if he doesn't work out, it's it's an important part of the process for him. That's what I'm kind of trying to say.
3: What's funny is obviously how much the coverage and the interest in the NFL combine is, you know, multiplied over the years. There's just no way that we can get access to the best part of this process, which is those one on one interviews, obviously, because, you know, teams aren't going to share the information. but the the questioning, obviously, you hear sometimes I would love to see players' reactions to some of those outlandish, you know, questions that teams come up with for them. But just in general, to see how guys carry themselves in these situations, I know it ends up being so key, too, in the determination of their character, how they, you know, their, their makeup in general to go along with their on-the-field talent. Yeah,
2: you always hear, like, I think Tyron Matthew, no, I think Darius Geis, actually was the player who like report, like talked about how he got asked some really crazy questions about video
3: games. Right. Or I, well,
2: I know I think it was, I think it was like his sexual orientation and stuff like that. Oh Lord. And like, I do think there is some level of this questioning that is just geared toward like putting somebody in an uncomfortable situation and seeing how they react. And I think that's an example of that, but it is kind of, it's, it is like, there's a, there's a, a level to which you should not go beyond. And I'm, I have like, I'm sure it happens. Yeah, but, like yeah. Said,
3: that, that whole interview process to me is is really interesting, but unfortunately, uh, yeah, we'll ne- we'll never get a glimpse of that. No, but we do get we, you do get the
2: podium interviews that you don't get a lot of um, throughout the court. Like you get them at in college, but this is a very more a way more exposed situation. And I think how how players handle those situations is telling. And we'll see. We'll get a good picture of that um, with a lot of these guys, and we're gonna see how wild the numbers are that anthony richardson actually does put up like justin fields ran in the four fours of the combine and he ended up going number 10 overall if if anthony richardson puts on like a crazy performance and suddenly it's like all the hype is on him you know we, we were talking about trying to come up with a comparison for what has happened with him and it's it's really tough because it's like how how when's the last time you saw a quarterback who did not have success in college but but he's this kind of athletic marvel Cause I, cause he did not, he was not a good college quarterback. We like, we can say that definitively, but that's, and he went to a team that should be stocked with talent and he struggled. He had good moments. He had great moments. He had really ugly moments and like, maybe like RG three is an example, but he was a Heisman candidate, right? Like Trey Lance played at North Dakota state. So you can kind of compare the sense that like, you didn't really know, like, you know, he's this crazy athlete, but you're kind of projecting. Um, it's really tough. make like, maybe, maybe Mitch Trubisky an example. Oof. Yeah. That's a rough one there. And like Lamar is probably the best example of a guy who was a little rough around the edges and and you had to kind of project, but he was the number 32 pick. So I think Lamar is a good example of a player who is the reason that Anthony Richardson probably won't fall because no one wants to be the next team to be like, Oh, we don't believe in that guy. And then he ends up being Lamar Jackson. Right. So like, I think in the comparison model here, he is the he's is the what ruined the curve for a team like the Saints who might conference. want to steal Anthony Richardson at twenty nine, right?
3: Yeah, I, re, exactly. Now, now because of the curve, he's going to be boot, vaulted into the the top fifteen, maybe top ten discussion.
2: Yeah, or number or number one overall if you if you want to listen to T. Bob, he's really in on that. I don't know uh, who's fallen in love with him that much. If, if the if the Bears take Anthony <laughs> Richardson. Uh, over and and play him instead of Justin Fields. That'd be kind of wild, but hey, Chicago gonna be
3: Chicago. Fortune favors the bold, right? The brave. Yeah, I'm, I'll listen. I'm, I'm still curious to see how we end up this season because you know, there's now been that renewed little, little bit of hope. You know, the more I keep thinking about the Jameis Winston deal for the value that he has with his contract. And obviously, you know, he's familiar with the offense. It really isn't a really awful idea. No, I mean, I never, I never thought it would be. No, but uh,
2: the question uh, to me was, is he willing to come back? And sure, the relationship, right. And I from, but, uh, from what I've heard from him and from, but, you know, people I've talked to, it does sound like he would be willing to do that. And so from there it becomes like, okay, are the saints willing to do that?
3: Right. I, I and just, are they willing to Are they willing to commit to him in a more serious way? And, right. and it just makes sense too, just to see you. You know, you see Jameis goofing around with the guys. You, he clearly has a tight relationship <laughs> in this locker room already. And I'm sure, yeah, he could establish that somewhere else if someone's willing to pay him, kind of thing. But I, I kind of do understand why he would want to be here. And we have come full circle. <laughs> and I think that
2: is when it is time to pull the plug. On another episode
3: of Inside Black and Gold, right. As we get, read, read, uh, you know, wrap up this podcast, and I talk about how I could see Winston back, it'll be like, oh, breaking news that Derek Carr has signed with New Orleans. I, d- d- unlikely,
2: but I do think that anytime we naturally loop around to the original discussion that we started with, perfect. That's that's when we we should we should. Uh, Stop poisoning the eardrums of the people the people listening. Plus I got to get to I'm going to the Pelicans game tonight so I got I got to get this edited and out prior I'm to sorry. that. I'm sorry.
3: I've I've been bothered since last year. I cannot get out of my head Winston Deep to Shahid. So, sorry. Neither can he. <laughs> Never got a chance. All right. This is Inside Black and
2: Gold. Thanks for everyone who listened. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a rating, leave us a review. We're going to I probably talk about the combine on thursday but i don't know what we're going to talk about because it starts on thursday and i guess we can we can wait until after the first day and kind of give you some uh some takeaways but we will uh we'll judge men's bodies on weigh-ins i mean i always do that internally so might as well do that externally it's hand size you know we could
3: talk about hand size definitely always a big one with qbs man
2: it is it is joe burrow and pat mahomes both have tiny hands and they suck
3: yeah they're awful all
2: right, that's it. That's the tweet. Thanks, y'all. I B and G forever. I
3: <laughs> know, oh, it's terrible.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news.